Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. So good. Well, I just love that one line that Juliana says, I knew I was healed because I could celebrate the role of fathers in others, fatherhood in others. And the ability to celebrate with others is a revelation that we've experienced the fullness of God ourselves. Whatever that is, whatever we're celebrating in others, whatever we're celebrating that they're experiencing, whatever breakthrough they're having, whatever release they're experiencing, whatever healing, whatever provision, whatever supply, whatever encounter with God they're having, when we can celebrate with them about it and we don't feel like we're the last ones in line, if we don't, we don't look at them and go, well, why didn't that happen for me? Or when's that ever gonna happen for me? Or whatever, when we can just legitimately celebrate with one another, we have experienced God the Father as he desires to be experienced. So this morning we're gonna get into this. And uh, honestly, this is not um, the topic that I wanted to specifically speak on. This is what God wants us to hear today. And it just kept coming back and kept coming back. And I tell you what, the reason I don't like to go into this topic is because there is so much hurt connected to fathers. Why? Because the enemy has sabotaged and caused wounding on so many levels, so many hard things, so many losses. You know, even this past year, people who've maybe lost a father, people who have, uh, you know, they've had miscarriages in their family and, and they're expected to be fathers. There's just stuff that we, we go through. It was interesting to me. I said, Dwayne, you know, the choices of even Father's Day cards, I don't know if any of you ladies found this, but you go on Mother's Day and you can't, I mean, heaven forbid you're actually trying to find a birthday card on Mother's Day month. And you can't even find them because everything's a Mother's Day card. Father's Day, and there's this little section at the end of the aisle that maybe has a few like weird, jokey, like they're, they're, it's hard to find. I mean, maybe they're not weird jokes. Maybe they're great jokes and I just don't get them. That's a, now that I'm saying it out loud, I think that's possible, but... <laughs> But really, it's a strange, strange thing. And so when you look through history, you look at, you know, every time there's this, this wave and it's like, a, it's like a cycle that repeats that a fatherless generation breeds a, a godless generation and a godless generation breeds a fatherless generation and on cycle. It repeats, it repeats and repeats because we have this bizarre built-in need from God for a father. We have a need for a father's affirmation. We, whether, whether we knew our fathers, whether we ever met them or not, whether they've been good fathers, bad fathers, whatever, um, we just have a need for a father's affirmation, right? And even dads, as you're, you're trying to be good fathers, and we've got so many, I mean, the men in this house are amazing, but you, you kind of want your father's affirmation that you're doing a good job with what you're doing and whatever. And I was thinking yesterday, um, Wayne and I were in the city, we were at a mall. I'm, so we're, we're going to the big, you know, the bathrooms where they, they've got the family bathroom, the men's bathroom, the ladies' bathroom, whatever. And in comes this guy with like four little kids, two boys, two girls, and the girls are like, dad, we're going to the ladies' bathroom. And like, we can do this. And he's like, okay, are you sure? You need to be right back here right afterwards. And he says to the boys, well, okay, well, we're gonna go into the family bathroom and whatever. And out they come. And I see this dad, as soon as they come out of the bathroom, he's looking for the girls. Okay, girls, are you okay? Everything's fine. And as they're walking out, this little kid behind him is like four years old. And he's like, dad, dad, that was the biggest poop I ever made. <laughs> and his dad goes, good job, son. <laughs> wow. It's literally born into us to need a father's affirmation, apparently for all things. <laughs> I was actually really glad for wearing a mask right then because I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> but we, we have this need and it's because God has built it into us that we want his affirmation. He is the father of all things. He is the father of the universe. And what we actually want is to be in relationship with him, whether we recognize it or not, whether we experience it or not. I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, he's better than we think. So we need to change how we think. And, and what that means is that we've got this thing where people will hunt for a father figure, a father figure, a father figure, and, and separate themselves from God because God has this poor reputation as a father due to the broken religiousness of society and the poor experiences people have had in the name of God. And he wants us to know today that that's just not him. 
if we have a poor understanding or a poor image of God the Father, it's because what we know or what we think we know about him is wrong. And so we need to change how we think. How do we change that? We go back to who he is, what his real track record is. And right now, you know, I've been, well, we all have been, you know, uh, walking through this outpouring of grief that's happening um, with the ongoing revelations of the residential schools. Like Wayne and I were talking uh, yesterday, like we just... We were, we were little kids. We were in school not knowing what was going on just around the corner. Like not knowing. We didn't know. And it sickens us to think of what happened in the name of God. Let me just say again, I said it last week. I'll say it again. I'll keep saying it. That is not God ever. Nothing like that is ever God. Slavery. Slavery got a whole lot of scriptures attached to it. There was a whole lot of religious people waving a flag and saying that it was God. Never was that God. But you know, God in general, the enemy of our souls has come in and he's twisted things from the very beginning. From the very beginning, things like human sacrifice, you know, we read about it in the Old Testament. We read about it in the history books. People who had their manufactured gods and said, you will please God by sacrificing your children, sacrificing your animals, bringing your goods. We see, um, you know, even, even in Islam, we see there's, there's some people that are off on the fringe that feel like somehow these terrorist acts are honoring to God in some way. That's not, it, it's been twisted up forever. The crusades in the name of God. That's not God. Who is the real father? Who is God? Who is it that he wants us to know? And if we can strip off all of what we think we know and come back to what is real, suddenly we tap into the revelation of being completely loved, completely accepted, and able to flow in the exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask, think, or imagine. But if, if faith requires us to hope, and hope is completely dashed in the idea that God is even good, that, then we are challenged in standing in faith for anything. And so I, I um, even this past couple of weeks, as I've just been praying over, you know, what, what it is God wants us to know moving forward, he wants us to know him as father. He wants us to know who he really is, and he wants us to... It, like step into that relationship, accepted in the beloved. And so I felt like God just kept asking me on repeat this week, what does your life look like if you know you are completely loved and completely accepted? How does your life change? And, and when you think about it, we all could say if we've, if we've known God at all and we know the scriptures, we are, yeah, I'm loved by God, I'm accepted by God. But if you know you are completely loved and completely accepted, how does your life change? I look at it as the difference between the end of the day when you come home to your family and maybe it's a safe place and somebody's cooked dinner and you know they're, they're waiting for you to find out how your day was and to just love you and you can tell, you know, for ladies, you take off the uncomfortable shoes, you know, whatever, you stretch your feet out. Guys, it's, I mean, in our house, it's cargo shorts all the time, so there's really nothing to change, I don't know, but... Anyway, you come home, you're just at rest, you say whatever you want to say, you are who you are, you, you, just, you just are, versus a job interview, where you're on your best behavior all the time, you say the right things, you question what you said, did that come out right, I don't know if that came out right, it was, I hope I prepared properly, but I don't know if they like me, I hope I'm dressed okay, oh look what they're wearing, I'm probably not wearing the right thing, and you judge yourself all the time, and you feel so tense that as soon as you leave the job interview, you get in your car, in your safe place, ha. Huh and you're completely loved and completely accepted. Now, what's the difference? Where do you feel the most fruitful? Where do you feel like the, the most like you have something to offer? It's in your safe place where you're loved and accepted. And so in the Father, this is the place that God wants us to step into, is that place with him. I believe fully that God is wanting to pour out in a brand new way. I believe that there are miracles that are just waiting to be poured out. I believe that there are signs and wonders. There's a revealing of his, his heart and his nature, but it's going to take us actually being okay with who he is. Because although Jesus is our engagement point and he is the one who sacrificed and laid down his life for us, he points the way to the Father. 
That's, that's the end goal. That's where we're, there's meant to be a connection of both. And so we've got to separate off whatever good or bad we know about earthly fathers. And we have to connect ourselves to God the Father. And really the best way to be an earthly father or earthly mother is to be a son or daughter. When we come into relationship with him and we feel fully accepted, fully loved, then we can be fully accepting and fully loving. If we feel like we're trying to measure up to God's standard and we will never quite get there, we have a hard time loving unconditionally even our own children. And so in order for us to do that and to be wide open, in order for us to be able to care for others wide open, we have to be in a place where we can accept fully God's love for us. So let's walk through the, the, the pattern that we've got here. And, and essentially what we're talking about today is the spirit of adoption. And the spirit of adoption is an interesting concept. Spirit of adoption, finding a seat at the table. Finding your spot. Uh, we say it all the time, you know, we don't need to be anybody else. We need to be uniquely us. God made us to be us. Is there anybody here who is completely beyond comparison? We all do it. We all compare ourselves to one another. We all wonder whether we actually should be here. Do I qualify to be here? Am I, you know, am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Am I strong enough? Am I, you know, gifted enough? Whatever. There's a place in God, the spirit of adoption brings us in and we find our seat at the table. It's got my name on it. Nobody else fits in this seat. It's kind of like the Cinderella thing with the perfect shoe. There's a spot that God has for me that only I can fit. It's my spot, but I will try and judge everybody else's spot until I lean into this. So number one, we need to understand that Jesus modeled his dad. Most of us are very much okay once we get to know who Jesus is in loving him and worshiping him, and we should, and we do. This morning, I mean, that was such exuberant, awesome praise as we praised Jesus, as we worshiped him, as we honored him. But if we love Jesus, if we love who he is, what he does, how he loves us, we need to know that really we're connecting with how the Father loves us. We might have a problem in our mind connecting it, but our heart, our heart actually knows it. And so God's inviting us into the opportunity to bring the two together. And again, some of us have had really, really hard upbringings, maybe really difficult experiences with fathers, grandfathers, male figures in our lives. I believe today God can just wipe that, wipe that, put it in a place so that you can fully experience who God wants you to be. Jesus said, John 14, 9 and 10, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, yet you do not know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show me the Father? Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. So the stuff, Jesus is saying, the stuff that you see me doing, that is the Father. Because this is when Jesus was just about to leave the earth and his guys were like, um, wait, wait, what? You're leaving? And Jesus is like, man, there's, there's a whole bigger picture that you don't understand. I'm going to the Father. The Father's gonna send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's gonna testify to me and I'm gonna make a way for you. And it's this full circle thing that we all get to be part of together. John 5, 19, Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. John 15, nine, as the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. So this is the gift of sonship. Jesus modeled his dad. Jesus did the stuff that looked like the father. So when we have these uh, poor understandings or poor images of what Christians look like, of what Christianity looks like, let me tell you, if it doesn't look like Jesus, it's not God. It's not the father. It, do it doesn't match up at all. And Jesus was never cruel. He was never vindictive. He was never, you know, he never beat people. He never tortured people. He never had anything bad to say. Like he was, he was love embodied. He, what he did criticize was things that were unjust, unrighteous, things that were contrary to who God really is, things that made God look bad. The religious of the era who were holding people in bondage and legalism, and Jesus called them on it. He, he straight up called it out and was like, that is not, that is not God. 
And so Jesus modeled, if we like what we see in Jesus, then we like who the Father is. The point is, Jesus was modeling sonship. We who come to Christ get to model the same thing. So if what we see coming out of churches, out of ministries, out of religious people doesn't look like how Jesus' life looked, it's just not God. Fair enough? So we got we to gotta pull that back. Some of us, I'm just telling you, I, I mean, I've listened to a lot of stories. I've encountered a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. It disgusts me. I don't want to get on a you know, bandwagon here, but it disgusts me some of the stuff that is done in the name of Christ. Some of the stuff that is done by religious people, some of the abuses, some of the incest, some of the, some of the beatings, some of the legalism, some of the hardships that are being per perpetuated within religious homes. I'm just telling you straight up today, that is not God. That is not God. So we, we have to strip that away. Right now, we are in a post-church society. We are in a post-Christian society in this nation. Where do we start with it? Well, I would say by disengaging from those reputations. We are of a different cloth. We, we carry a different flag. We march to a different drummer. We have a different father. And so if those things are happening, it is that, that nature of your father, the devil, that, that Jesus talked about, that place that is not of him. We want to come and we, we want to model who Jesus is. And Jesus modeled who the father is. So that partnership, that's what God's calling us into. That's where signs, wonders, and miracles can happen. I tell you what, if we come in... And and we're, we're aligned with or excusing. Let me just say, I believe that we are in the era where God is going to start to expose some of these hidden works of darkness that have been wearing a cross and waving a Bible, and they're wrong. And God's going to call it out into the open, and, and, and the light dispels the darkness. So I believe we're in a clean-out kind of period, right? And in that clean-out kind of period, in that purity, in that, in that refining, God can actually move. It's the time where we, we don't want to hang on to our own pride. And if we've been engaging in this kind of stuff in any way, it's, it's not time to stand there and look religious. It's time to beg God for forgiveness and get in line to be holy as He is holy and stand in the righteousness of Christ and perpetuate what is true, what is good, what is just, to live in the light as He is in the light. And so this is what God's calling us to, right? Jesus modeled it. I'm his sister. I'm his little sister. I'm supposed to model it too, right? Does that mean I'm perfect? No, but I'm sure moving more towards walking as he did than I ever was before. And I believe that's the growth of the Christian walk. So number two then, orphans crave a dad. Jesus modeled his dad. Orphans crave a dad. So when people say, well, you know, the orphan spirit, which is what we call it, the orphan spirit is something that um, whether you've got both parents or not, you were born into an orphan spirit. What that means is that the earth, because of sin, was separated. People are separated from God. And so God, as our father, we should have had that connection, but we were separated by sin. And so we were born into a world where we're looking constantly for that reconnection. And orphans act differently than sons and daughters do. Orphans are looking to survive. Orphans are in it for, I, I, ha I have to do something to be loved, to be cared for, to be wanted. I have to do all the right things. I have to rise above the pack. I have to be better than the rest. I have to be noticeable. I have to, I mean, honestly, I think our social media is saturated with orphans. Spiritual orphans that desperately need approval. The approval will never be enough when it comes from man. It will only be enough when it comes from God. I believe many of the, the uh, false religious things that are going on, people wearing the religious flag but doing completely demonic things, I believe it's centered on a, an orphan spirit. It's an I don't know who I am really. I don't feel loved and accepted. And therefore, everything is pride driven. Everything is need driven. Everything is about what I want and how I can control it. And so we step out of this. We as believers can choose. Now catch this. We as believers can choose to live in an orphan spirit or not. We can be born again. I've accepted Jesus. I've accepted his love. I've accepted that he died on the cross for me, but I live as an orphan. How do we know? 
there's this flow of what an orphan functions in. Orphan spirit always feels less than. An orphan always feels insufficient. An orphan always feels a little bit afraid, a little bit ashamed, and a lot driven. That's what an orphan spirit looks like. It's all over the church. It's all over the body of Christ because we have to have a revelation of the Father's love. We have to have a revelation of who he says we are. The orphan spirit quite simply says this. I have to do something in order to have something in order to be something. And so that progression, I have to do something in order to have something in order to be something. I will not be something until I have something, and I won't have something unless I do something. And so I'm constantly driven to do the right thing so that I can have the right results so that I can be who I want to be. And it's never ending. It's exhausting to continuously need to do something, to have something, to be something, make something of yourself, do something with your life, pull yourself together. It's this push that is on the inside and it just drives. I need to do something in order to have something, in order to be something. When we see it in, you know, in, in, uh, sometimes in the foster care system, in, in uh, neglected children, even in neglected animals, where there's this need to do something, to be noticed, to be different. If I'm going to have anything, then I'm going to have to fight for it. I'm going to have to get what is mine. I'm going to have to speak up. I'm going to have to go after it. I don't care who I have to step on, but I'm going to be all that I can be, and then I will be worthy. Jesus says you're worthy because he says you're worthy. The Father says you're chosen because he chose you, not because we do anything. So this awareness, this is like, it's a simple thing, but it permeates into how we function in society. And it often permeates how we function in the church. Do you know this interesting thing, you know, um, even within church culture, there's this line. I don't know if anybody got the, uh, what's it called, Mel? Old, old Church Basement from Elevation. The opening song, there's this, there's this line in it, and it talks about his, his buddy who got a guitar, and they always they go to the Wednesday night, they're in the basement, and he's not singing to be famous. He's not playing to be famous. And I look at that, and I think even within church culture, now we've somehow shifted over into how many followers do you have? How many downloads of messages do you have? How many albums are you producing? And honestly, the father's like, if it's just you and me sitting together forever, I love you. I love you. I accept you. I'm enjoying this time. It's this place where we're not worried. We're not doing it for the applause. We're not doing it for the accolades. We're doing it out of relationship. This can bleed over into every part of our lives. What can be celebrated as ambition, even financially, actually can be motivated by an orphan spirit. Sometimes people will just push themselves, push themselves, push themselves so hard to have something when God wants them to know that they're supposed to be something. And the be something is a whole lot better way to have something. So Jesus actually models it for us. We know that this, this way Jesus uh, was sent by the Father to us, and Jesus is this access point. So Jesus is easy to understand, and many of us have got onto the uh, Chosen uh, TV series right now. Anybody catching that? Next Wednesday, I think, is episode six being uploaded, and it's awesome. Um, but you, you realize that Jesus is this like amazing love personified, right? Anybody, if you haven't watched it yet, I'm telling you, you are missing out. Seriously. So, so good. Um, but you see who Jesus is and you fall in love with Jesus all over again. And this is an interesting thing because it's a piggyback to the, the thing that was just before it was the passion of the Christ, which was the number one bestseller box office moneymaker actually um, for several years running. And it was all about, it, was, it went down in the rating history as one of the most violent movies of all time for us, right? Blood, you know, for us. And so people fell in love with Jesus there. And, and, and prior to that was the Jesus movie. Did anybody ever see the, the traditional Jesus movie? It was produced in 1979. Um, the story of Jesus, right? And it actually, so get this, some of us would be surprised about this. It was uh, filmed in 1979, uh, financed mostly by Campus Crusade for Christ. And they on purpose did not put any names in the credits. They didn't want it to be about anybody but Jesus. 
Nobody got the credit for it. It's now been translated into 1,600 languages. I didn't even know there were that many languages. But every time they find a new people group that hasn't, uh, hasn't been evangelized yet, they translate the movie again and send it out. And it's just to acquaint people with Jesus. It's this, this thing that he calls us into to know him. But then here's the cool thing. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So millions upon millions upon millions of people over decades have been faced with this creative expression of who Jesus is. And everything Jesus did was to bring us to the Father. So I'm presenting today that I, I just believe that the Spirit of God is nudging us to dig a little deeper. Some of us are very, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love that he paid for me. And, and we talk about the Father and, and we go to sing about him and it's like, Ugh. And all the memories start coming back in. I'm telling you, God wants to heal that. I'm telling you that there's a place where we have to be willing to step beyond that and into the fullness of what he has for us because Jesus was trying to acknowledge and glorify the Father. No one comes to the Father except by me. Everything Jesus did was to reflect the Father and to make an introduction to him. John 3, 16 and 17, for God, and this is talking about the fullness of God, including the Father, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Wait a minute. The, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Well, we grow up singing about how Jesus loves us. Really, one of the highlights should be how deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. Right? God, the Father, so loved us that he sent his only begotten son. And we're, we're in love with the son. But we got to understand that the son is glorifying the Father. And he wants to bring us into relationship. We, we have a follow-through that's supposed to happen there. This father that loves completely, passionately, welcomingly. John 1, 12 and 13, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood nor of the will of man, but of God. As many as receive him, Jesus, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. There's a lot of phrases and songs and stuff that, that are out there that just say things like, we're all, God's, we're all God's children. We're not. We're actually all God's creation. But the children of God are the ones that say yes to him. He operates completely on the spirit of adoption. And so adoption means he chooses us and we get to decide whether we're going to be part of his family or not, whether we're going to say yes to him or not. And if we do, we'll get to experience as much of being his child as we allow to happen. He wants to pour out the fullness to us, but we decide it. We decide whether we're going to be part of this family, where we're going to recognize what it means to be his children. This is huge. Children of God are chosen, adopted, accepted, and loved. That's who we are. Whether we want to admit it or not, whether we feel comfortable with that or not, whether we, we would say that about ourselves or not is irrelevant because this is who God says we are. Chosen, accepted, adopted, and loved. Ephesians 3, 14 and 15. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named. From whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named. A couple years ago when we started moving as a church into the concept of family and we started celebrating it, my house, my family, there were some that really struggled with it. It's been a hard go for some people because the idea of family has been very challenging. But everything about the kingdom of God is based on a family design centered around the father. It's who he is. And so we get to be part of his family and we pick up, according to this scripture, we pick up his family name. I'm telling you the, the concept of saying I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I, I'm part of the family of God means I have a right and a responsibility that comes with carrying the family name. 
We used to say to our kids all the time, whether it was right or wrong, I don't know. But, you know, as they're going out and doing stuff, it, there's a crossover between remember who you are and remember whose you are. And I would say both. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. In other words, don't you make this come back on me. <laughs> Whatever you do out there today, don't you make this come back on me. Remember whose you are. Remember that you're loved. Remember that you belong to something bigger than yourself. And this is the thing is that the name of God that we get to pick up this family name, it has no brokenness in its past. It has no abuse in its past. It has no incest in its past. It has no anger, no rage, no abandonment. The family name that we get to step into, it's a good name. It's a great family name. And that's who we are. So it does us well to learn who this family is. Does us well to this family is this. This family does this. In this family, we. Who is God's family? What is it he's called us into? Ephesians 1, 6 says, because we have been adopted, we are accepted in the beloved. It means that everybody that's part of this family automatically fits. No matter how weird I am. The father's like, yeah, she's my favorite. He laughs at all of Wayne's jokes. It's like, yeah, dad jokes. I'm the original creator. Yeah. You know, uh, we are accepted. We have this place that we get to step into. And this is what is called the spirit of adoption. So the counterpart for the orphan spirit can be no other than the spirit of adoption. And so when we look at this, it's, it's found in a few places, but Romans 8, 14 to 17. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. See, fear is the partner of that orphan spirit, right? I, I have to do so that I have, so that I am. Fear motivates all of that. You did not receive that spirit again. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. This is such an incredibly beautiful passage. I, I get to choose to enter into, to receive, to engage that spirit of adoption. And when I do, I find out not only am I an heir of the Father, I'm a joint heir with Christ, so everything that he has, I can have. And lots of times what we do is we settle for less because we don't feel worthy. This uh, contradicts that. This says that we're absolutely able to access something. And it also means that when we feel like we can put a draw on the, the signs, wonders, and miracles, we can have what Jesus has, but we don't want the partnership with the Father. We don't want the relationship with the Father. Something's disconnected. This scripture tells us that the Spirit... The Holy Spirit, this is how this whole thing comes together. It's so amazing. The Holy Spirit who comes and dwells in us when we accept Jesus, when we accept his sacrifice, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're actually accepted by the Father and we're joint heirs with Christ and suddenly we get to partner with what God is doing. But it says that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit, not with our head. So the problem often is our head. Our spirit might say, yep. Yeah. I mean, you could sit in church and be like, yeah, I'm accepted by God. I'm loved. I'm saved. I'm born again. I know I've been set free, blah, blah, blah. And then you go out in real life and your head's like, no. And if I don't deserve this, I can't do this. And we like something else happens up in here. But we have to choose to walk in by faith what the spirit says we have. And when we do, we can access a whole different dimension. As long as we spend our lives trying to fix the consistent brokenness and we don't move into the fullness of the healing of Christ, we don't move into the fullness of what the Father has provided for us, we will be sidetracked from the destiny that he's planned for us to live. We can lose decades trying to earn our way into a good place to do good stuff for God. But when you trace it back, it is back to I have to do something in order to have something in, in order to be something, which is wrong. 
it's backwards to what God says that we have. Jesus introduced us to the Father in a few different places. One of them is the Lord's Prayer. It's beautiful. Creates for us an understanding of what it is the Father says. But another one of the spots is Luke 12. So let's pick this up here. Luke 12, verse 22 to 32. And this is Jesus just talking. Because they've never met the Father. They've never, they've never encountered him. So they get Jesus. And Jesus is like, let me tell you who God is. Let me tell you what this looks like. See, most of us have encountered at some point some angry God. We've been told that he wants to punish us, that we need to get things right, that we need to do things correctly, that we need to earn our way in. Oh, God's going to be so mad at you. And it's like the angry father that comes out with the, you know, the strap that's unacceptable. That's not who God is. Jesus said, this is who he is. Then he said to his disciples, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about what your, your body, about what you will put on. Life's more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have a, neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Some of us would question that. Jesus is saying, um, just in case you're not catching it, you are more valuable than them. He's not asking you to rate yourself. He's saying this. Verse 25, And which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? If you then, not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink or have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need all these things. He's not saying, I know it, and if you do it right, maybe you can, you know, access the pantry. He's saying, I know it, and therefore it's covered. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Why do we feel like God is withholding? You know, our last pursuit night, we were praying some pretty big stuff and declaring some pretty big things. And God just reminded us again that when we ask him to lead us in prayer, the things that come up on our hearts are actually what's on his heart. He's not withholding. He's wanting somebody to partner with that we release the words. They don't return back to him void. They, they accomplish what it is he sent them to do in the first place. He desires for us to experience the fullness. And so a breakdown, some of the things that Jesus said the Father wants us to know, don't worry. Provision is there. You're valued. That there is beauty that he sees in you. That there's daily supply that you don't have to be anxious, that there's peace that you can walk in completely, and that it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Romans 14, 17 says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In other words, for the adopted sons and daughters of God, that should be our life. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not trying to do good so I can please God, so he will think I'm okay, and then maybe it would be okay for me to ask a big prayer. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first him. So number three, and we're going to wrap up with this. Sons live from their dad. Number one, Jesus modeled his dad. Number two, orphans crave a dad. And number three, sons live from their dad. We can either live for God or we can live from God. Some of us spend our entire grown-up Christian lives, living for God, serving for God, doing things for God. But when we live from God, we're actually still doing the things, but we're doing it from a place of rest, from a place of joy, from a place of supernatural supply, and a place of radical acceptance and radical love. So we talked before about how the orphan spirit says, do something in order to have something, in order to be something. The spirit of adoption says, I am, therefore I have so I do. I am, so I have, so I do. I am chosen. I am accepted. 
I am loved. I am known by God. I am embraced by God. I am his kid. I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. Therefore, I have access to the kingdom. I have access to everything that he says is his. I have access. I am a joint heir with Christ. I have access. I have the key to the family house. I can step in and I can experience what it is he wants me to experience. I have access and therefore I can do whatever it is he wants me to do. Why? Because he supplies me. Why? Because I'm his. Well, what does that mean by do? What about like Jillianna said at the beginning in her video where she was asked, have you forgiven your father? Have you released him? Have you let him off the hook? Many of us have different situations, different experiences. Sometimes it's, you know, there's people who will say, I, I, I'm never going back to a church again. Why? Because of spiritual abuse. Well, let me just say, that's not God. <laughs> Sometimes people make mistakes, people do things wrong, but when I know I'm his and I'm living in the spirit of adoption, then I can have what he says I can have, which means I can do what he's asking me to do. I can release. I can forgive. I can let go. I, I, I can choose to just let somebody off the chopping block. They don't deserve it. My life is better when I choose to do what he asked me to do. My life is better when I choose to let, I mean, my, my orphaned spirit wants revenge. My orphan spirit wants justice. My orphan spirit wants things to be paid for. My adopted spirit says, whatever, whatever, God, I'm yours. I'm fully accepted. I'm fully loved. I have everything you want me to have. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Such freedom in that place. It's the thing that God invites us to. How about loving others? How about celebrating others? The orphan spirit says, I can't, I can't love you if I don't feel loved. I can't celebrate you if I don't feel celebrated. The adopted spirit says, I'm celebrated every day. I mean, every, you should see God has engraved me on the palm of his hand. He has loved me with an everlasting love. He says that I am his favorite. He knows me by name. I can totally celebrate you. The orphan spirit, um, let's see, what's his name? Um, Leif Hetland says that there's this concept where, where it's like a pizza. If you see the pizza as the, this is the thing that are, is presented by God, and it's cut into eight pieces, and you start to see people get a piece of the pizza, and it's, there's less pieces left, and there's less pieces left. The orphan spirit grabs at that and gets like, what if, what if there's not enough left? What if there's not enough for me? And I have a hard time celebrating you because what if there's not enough for me? The adopted spirit says, my dad owns the pizzeria. He'll make me all the pizza I want. Like it's, it's game on. I can have whatever he wants me to have. But if I, see, we've all experienced that, right? Where it's like grabbing at the last, you know, I mean, I remember being at, we were at a conference in the Shaw Center years ago, back in the, that basement, you know, where they funnel you all through there. And then they open like one door at the end of a conference or whatever. And you just see people like ramming to the door. And, and this is like people who've been sitting and worshiping and listening to Jesus teaching for hours, but they're like pushing old ladies out of the way because they got to get to the, there's one hole. I mean, honestly, the spirit of adoption knows there's always enough. There's always enough. There's always, he's the all-sufficient God. I can celebrate with you. I will celebrate with you because every time I see a breakthrough in your life, it shows off who my dad is. Man, that's awesome. And I've got the same last name. Like, how great is that? This is who our family is this. Our family loves. Our family serves. Our family heals. Our family restores. Our family finds the unlovable and puts them into position and calls up and, and, and sees what others would overlook. Our family is, is led by the father who comes and he looks for that jewel. He looks for that pearl. He looks for that missing one. He looks for the lost sheep. He looks for those that everybody else would turn aside. We get to choose this. But here's the thing. Pastor George mentioned it right on time this morning. Luke 15 is the story of the prodigal son. 
And I wanna just leave us with this today because it is so necessary for us to understand that it is a choice. I'm telling you, if you've said yes to Jesus today, and maybe some need to say yes to Jesus today, but living in the freedom is a choice. I mean, you see it, you see it in, in people, in even animals that have been rescued from really hard situations. It's hard to, to shift thinking to knowing that there's always going to be more. Like, I don't need to ever eat everything on the table because there'll be a meal tomorrow, right? It's a conscious shift. It's a, it's a healing that God does in the mind to step into the fullness of him. And so we want to choose to live in who he says we are. So the story of the prodigal um, starts at verse 11. We won't start there. But you know the story. It's the father. He's, he's wealthy. He's got everything. He's got two sons. And the one son comes to him and he says, I, I want my inheritance. I want it now. I want to go spend it on what I want to spend it on. So the father actually gives him the opportunity to go and do what he wants with his life. This is like any one of us who is lost in sin. You know, we have access to the, the things of life and we spend it on whatever we want to spend it on, but it's broken, it's empty, it's not leading to anything. And so the prodigal finds himself in this place where he's like, I, I actually have nothing. I've lost it all. I'm at the bottom of the bottom. Do you know everybody's going to have their come to Jesus moment? It would be great if we all didn't have to sit in the pig pen to find it. Yeah. The, the, the sooner we say yes to him, the sooner the, the tide turns, right? And so he's in the bottom of the bottom. And as he's sitting there, he says to himself, you know, my, my father's servants do better than I'm doing right now. They're, they're faring better than I fare right now. And so he actually has this moment where he says, I'm going to go back and I'm, I'm going to ask my father if he would let me work for him at the very least. And so he has this decision that he's made that I don't know, I don't know what it's going to cost me, but I know I want to be with the father. The invitation is still there for us today. And so we're going to pick up, um, as he comes back, he, you know, the father runs out. He doesn't judge him. Like Pastor George said, he celebrates him. He celebrates that he's back. He doesn't go, wow, you've wasted my money and wasted time. What a jerk. No, he kills the fatted calf. He says, get a ring, get a robe. Let me love you. Let's have a party. Let's have a celebration. But we sometimes with the orphan spirit, will be like, no, I'm not worthy of the party. I don't want, and this is what this, I'm not worthy. No, the father celebrates him, celebrates his life. But then the more disturbing one, because we get that. We get, we understand falling, slipping, making mistakes, coming back to God. The more disturbing one starts in verse 26. And the, uh, verse 25, the older son was in the field and he came near and he drew near the house and he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. Yay! No. Verse 28, but he was angry and would not go in. And therefore his father came out to him and pleaded with him. See, I can't celebrate that my brother's back because that's one less piece of the pizza. How dare he come back? What, why are we celebrating that? And we, the father comes in and pleads with him. And verse 29, so he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. We can work for God or from God. We can live for God or from God. I did all this for you. Some of us in Christianity, that's how we feel. I'm going to do all the right things. I'm, I'm going to say all the right prayers. I'm going to fast at the right times. I'm going to try and do nice things for other people. And then I ask for a miracle and nothing really happened. And so, fine. It's an orphan spirit. The son was living right in the house. But he had an orphan spirit. Because he says in verse 30, as soon as this son of yours came, not my brother. We got the same dad, same last name. Your son, who devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said, son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. 
It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. See, everything I have is yours. You could have put a draw on it at any time. You could have walked in this relationship together with me at any time. But instead, because of whatever preconceived ideas you had, you're looking at my son. You're looking at how he squandered things. The fact is, we're talking about inheritance. We're talking about what was coming down the pipe. And obviously, the son who stayed home had a twisted idea of what was already being spent. Father says, everything I have is yours. It's the spirit of adoption. But he couldn't quite get there. The father just says, it was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. And I believe that there's some, even within the body of Christ, that there's a measure. I'm not saying we don't love Jesus. I'm not saying we don't love God, but I'm saying maybe due to how we're packaging our idea of God the father, we are limiting what we can lay hold of. There, there's a place that we won't get into. And Sadly, it is almost 100% of the time attached to a human mindset, attached to a human relationship, attached to a human experience, attached to somebody who should have done something that they didn't do or did something that they shouldn't have done. And God's inviting us into this place of full healing, of full restoration. Do people deserve our forgiveness? Well, do we deserve God's? And I don't mean to minimize it. I'm telling you there's freedom on the other side. I'm telling you there's stuff that God wants to pour out. And for those of us who are striving to be better, to do better, the best way to experience this is to be a good son or daughter. To totally embrace him, to totally say yes to him. Bill Johnson says, striving, fear, and anxiety only exist where there is an absence of tasting the Father's love. It's a good thing to ponder. Striving, fear, and anxiety only exist where there is an absence of tasting the Father's love. So how do we tap into it? By faith. It's the truth. It's available. It's the same thing. You know, if this, you know, the elder brother had said to his dad, you're kidding me. I could have had this this whole time. I, didn't, I did not know. Can I also have a party? Dad would have probably said, yes, absolutely. You know, well, what else can I do? Maybe, maybe we, now that my brother's home, maybe we can look at expanding the family business. Like, what's possible? Tell me, I've obviously been missing it. I'm so sorry that I've been missing it. I'm so sorry, Father, that I misjudged you. I want to know you as you actually are. It's an act of our will, it's an act of choice, and it's an act of faith. I'm gonna have the worship team come. It's pretty intense stuff, huh? You know what would be the best gift for Father's Day though? Freedom! Right? Like a man, maybe I don't have to carry that obligation on the inside anymore. Maybe I don't have to do all the right stuff to have all the right stuff to be the right stuff. Maybe he just says, I am. Wow. How awesome to just walk in that favor of God that he offers us freely. I'm going to ask you for a moment if you just close your eyes. I want to give an opportunity this morning. It's kind of a big message. But there's some that maybe have never given their lives to Christ in the first place. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so that very sacrifice that Jesus paid, that very gift of himself that he gave was so that we can be connected again, so that we can participate in that spirit of adoption, so that we can know that we are loved and accepted completely. And so I'm going to give an opportunity for that in just a minute. I also believe that there's some this morning that you have been in that difficult spot with God. And realistically, you've been operating in an orphan spirit and you wanna drop it today. You wanna come fully 
into that relationship with the Father. And it is scary, maybe. Maybe because of what you've experienced with people, with religion, with history, with whatever. Maybe it's a little bit scary. Maybe you've been so hard on yourself, you have a hard time understanding why God would even want you, but he does. And so this morning, in a moment, we're going to give an opportunity for that as well. But it's not worth hanging on to any longer. The love of the Father is here for every single one of us. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask you if you need to make that commitment to God, either for the first time or a recommitment to Him. I'll ask you to raise your hand. And when you do, there's going to be... Um, a shift that you're going to have to decide. We're going to pray a prayer together and you're going to become part of a new family with a new last name, new foundation, new hope. Doesn't mean that the stuff you've been through doesn't matter. It just means that he'll carry it for you. So you don't have to anymore. And after that, we're gonna pray into the orphan spirit. So if you this morning, you need to make that commitment to Christ. You wanna say yes to him. You wanna become part of the family. Either for the first time or as a recommitment, would you just raise your hand for a moment and hold it up until I see a C in the balcony. I see that hand, I see that hand. In the back, I see your hand. Anybody else this morning? Yeah, I see that hand, I see that hand. Thank you, Lord. You can put those down. Anybody else this morning, you need to make that commitment to God today. Yeah, I see that hand. Thank you, Lord. This is a good choice. Anybody else this morning, this is maybe the first time, maybe you've never done this. And you need to make that commitment to Jesus today. Just go ahead and put your hand up. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yeah. So let's stand together this morning. And for those who are making that commitment, we're going to pray one prayer and then we're going to pray another one. For those dealing with that orphan spirit, which may be a lot of us this morning. Might be just a couple, but might be a lot of us. But for those who put up your hands, this is important that you lean into it, that you understand what you're praying because today once and for all, maybe it's a coming back. Maybe you've, you've said you've walked with God for a long time, but you just need this nailed down today. June 20th, 2021 is a day of adoption. It's a day you're not turning back from. Just repeat after me. Father God, I come before you today and I'm amazed. I'm in awe that you would see me, that you would love me, that you would care for me. And Jesus, I thank you for the gift of your life. I thank you for paying the price for me, for my freedom. For me to know the Father, to be in relationship forever. God, today, I ask your forgiveness for every sin, every place I've gone off the path, everything that has separated me from you. And I thank you today that the blood of Jesus washes me cleanses me and makes me new. God, today I declare by faith that I am yours according to your word. I am loved, I'm accepted, and I'm part of your family. God, today I ask that you would show me what that means and how to live from you. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wow. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. So I'm going to invite you, those who had, you had your hands up today, there's a card in the seat in front of you. If you're in the balcony, it's at the ends of the rows. And it just says, I have decided. And if you would fill that out and just bring it down to the side here, Pastor Brad and Linda are going to be over here after the service. And they would love to connect with you and just pray for you. And, and do not be embarrassed if you feel like this was, you know, if this was a second time thing and oh my goodness, what do people think? Who cares? You're accepted. You are loved. You are part of the family. Thank you, Lord. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.